Well, good morning, church family, those that are here in person and those that are online. It's wonderful to, to be able to spend time together this morning in multiple venues as we try to uh, adjust what we're doing and, and uh, accommodate all sorts of uh, needs right now. So we're grateful that you're with us today. I have to say, the events of the past 10 weeks, so March 15th was the last time that we had the opportunity to gather together here in this particular context where I had the opportunity face-to-face to actually see people. Uh, I've been primarily preaching to Matt Thomas's face over the past uh, two-plus months, and it's a great face to preach to, uh, but it's nice to preach to multiple faces today and also to the, those of you that are joining us from home But the events of the past 10 weeks, the changes that we've had to make, the things that were taken away, but then the opportunities that we've also been given to just be blessed with uh, just the privilege to preach the gospel through new forums and new opportunities that the Lord's given to us, it's just reminded me in a fresh way, and I think sometimes it's useful to have our, our pattern interrupted, but it's reminded me in a fresh way why I'm thankful for our church family. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Scripture gives us a great example of why we can be thankful for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But I'll tell you, one of my favorite portions of Scripture that addresses this specific subject is found in Philippians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul expressed that specific sentiment, why he was thankful for the family of God, why why he was thankful for his church family. And, And we'll be saying this in a personal way today, why I'm thankful for our church family. So if you have your Bibles, you could turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're in Philippians chapter 1 today. We're going to start from verse 3, and uh, I'm going to read down to verse 11, and then we'll come back and we'll revisit these verses a little bit at a time. But Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 3, this is what it states. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege to be part of a church family, knowing that you have united us together with one another through our union with your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're grateful that as we look at this portion of Scripture today and as we just begin this this gradual process of returning to the kinds of fellowship that we once enjoyed. Lord, we thank you that you can use the experiences that you've given us recently to remind us why we can be thankful for our church family. Lord, this is something that 
uh, I, I can't help but feel a bit emotional about as I contemplate it today, just my thankfulness for our church family. But I know, Lord, that I'm not the only one that feels that way. And so, Lord, I'm grateful for the privilege that it is to be able to, to experience family life with brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm grateful, Lord, for those that are near and those that are far away geographically, knowing that we share a common union with you through our common faith in your Son. So, Lord, we pray that as we take a look at this portion of your word today, that we would be reminded in fresh ways why we should be thankful for our church family. And we just commit this time to you now and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to look at the camera, but I'm also going to be looking at our, our congregation that's here. So my eye contact in the camera today, those of you that are joining us from home, might not be as good as it has been. All right, so this will be our, our, our blend today. But I want to give some background on this particular portion of Scripture. Um, the book of Philippians. This was uh, a, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And the church at Philippi was the first church that the Apostle Paul planted in Europe. And we know from looking at what the Scripture tells us that this church was very active in supporting his ministry. We also know that they brought him great joy as they lived out their faith in Jesus Christ. And during the time that the Apostle Paul planted that church, uh, he was imprisoned after he cast a demon out of a young girl who was practicing fortune-telling, and Paul was imprisoned. And even in the midst of that, the Lord's hand of protection and blessing was upon him. In fact, the Lord miraculously released Paul from prison, which is a very amazing thing to have the privilege to, to witness and see in Scripture. And so Paul continued to go on preaching the gospel. He continued to go on planting churches and to spread the gospel in various places as the Lord opened up doors for him to do so in all kinds of areas. And um, as he continued to do that, he was imprisoned multiple times. And in fact, as we're reading this letter uh, to the Philippians... Keep in mind that he was writing this letter from prison. One of his subsequent imprisonments uh, was when he actually took the time to pen this letter down. He most likely wrote it from the city of Rome. And um, one of Paul's motivations in writing this letter was to encourage this young church in their faith. He wanted to encourage them as they continued to grow in Christ. They had been such an encouragement to him, so he wanted to make a point to be encouraging to them. And he wanted to just encourage them to continue to press on in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'll say this, even before we start to kind of go through all the details of what this scripture lists for us, and even though our circumstances aren't exactly like the Apostle Paul's circumstances were, I think the words that he states in this passage do an excellent job of expressing several reasons why we should be grateful, why we should be thankful for our church family. And one of the things that he brings up in this portion of Scripture is this, that we can partner together in living out and advancing the gospel. Let me read again verses 3 through 6. We partner together in living out and advancing the gospel. In verse 3 he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with you, or with joy, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, 
there are two ways to approach most circumstances or two perspectives that we could easily adopt. And one option is to complain and to look at most things from the downside. And you and I probably uh, all have people in our lives that tend to look at things from the downside. And so we could look at life that way. You know, we could, we could, we could kind of, uh, you know, complain and, and look at things from the downside. But the other option is to acknowledge what we're thankful for, regardless of our momentary circumstances. And the way this letter begins is evidence to me of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Apostle Paul's life, because he, he begins this letter, he opens this letter by expressing thanks. Now, again, please keep in mind where Paul was writing this letter from. He was in prison, which was most likely in Rome. That's what most scholars believe, that he was in prison in Rome at the time that he wrote this. So he didn't have the type of privileges that a man has when he's free. He couldn't just take a stroll down the block. He wasn't just free to go visit friends. He wasn't free to just go down to the market or spend time on the shore appreciating a beautiful view. He was a prisoner who had become familiar with the uncomfortable feeling of wearing chains and being stared at by guards and being locked in a room. Yet in the midst of all of this, the Apostle Paul was thankful. And I'm amazed when I look at the thankfulness that he expresses when I consider the trials that this man endured. But he endured them, and he was thankful. And we could be thankful. And what brought... um, thankfulness to the Apostle Paul's heart in the midst of these circumstances is kind of fascinating to think about. But for starters, Paul was thankful for every time that the Lord would bring the Philippian believers to his mind. Every time the church at Philippi would come to the Apostle Paul's mind, it just brought him great joy. He was just so thankful to even think about these people. So as Paul would think about their faces as he would think about the words that they had shared, as he would think about the time that they had the privilege to spend together in the past, he was thankful, and his heart was warmed. And even in the midst of his imprisonment, he felt like, you know what, this is a consequence I can live with. This is a consequence I can put up with because I'm so thankful for what the Lord's allowed me to experience prior to this or on the other side of this. And so, you know, in in the midst of this, you have Paul um, recognizing, okay, it's because I dared to share the gospel that I was arrested, but I'm still thankful. And Paul considered the Philippians to be more than just the fruit of his ministry. He also considered them to be partners with him in ministry. The Philippian believers, we know that they joyfully supported the Apostle Paul's work. They partnered with him in his passion to tell people about Jesus Uh, And Paul states here that he was convinced that that the Lord who began a good work in them would continue working in them and would continue strengthening them and would continue developing their faith and developing their spiritual maturity up until the day Jesus Christ returns. I can identify with the emotions that the Apostle Paul was expressing in this passage. And I have to tell you that there have been uh, quite a few Um, things lately that have brought similar emotions to my mind, particularly when Paul speaks of of the joy of, of, of partnering together with this group of people. Um, a while back, I was having a conversation with another pastor, and this is somebody that I've known for a long time. And in the midst of the conversation, he started telling me uh, about some things that he was wrestling with. And the big thing that he was wrestling with at that time was that he felt very much alone. And I said to him, 
I said, why do you feel so alone? And he said, I feel alone because I don't have very many people joining me in the work that I'm trying to do. He said, I serve in a context where the expectation is pretty much that I would do everything. And uh, he said, I've been doing this for so long that it's really starting to burn me out and it's really starting to kind of crush my spirit. And so we were talking about this for a little while. And after that conversation finished, I started thinking about our context here and how grateful I was that that wasn't my testimony. Meaning, you know, as I think about our church family, I think about people that are serving behind the scenes in all kinds of way. You know, I I think about, you know, even this morning, uh, just little odds and ends that already, you know, I'm like, we're we're barely even, you know, back to to, um, what we had become accustomed to. You know, we're just kind of like testing the waters again. But already, I, I, you know, just watching people kind of jump in and say, all right, I see a need that has to be done here. And I see, I see a tech need so that we can minister to people at home. And I see a need to move this into the building. And last night, you know, people showing up here at the church to help us just kind of clean and do different things. And people that have been serving behind the scenes with all sorts of ways. And people helping with worship. People helping with tech needs. People helping with building needs and mission needs and, and children's needs and all sorts of things. And I think to myself... I'm so grateful that as a church family, we have the privilege to partner together in advancing the gospel. I've noticed in myself, and maybe those of you that I have the privilege to be here with, those of you that are at home can identify with this, I have noticed within myself that I feel most anxious and exhausted whenever I feel alone. Meaning, anytime I'm trying to carry a burden that really isn't meant to be carried alone, it ends up producing a level of discomfort that I I don't really enjoy, a level of anxiety or or a level of discouragement. And that's how my friend had felt uh, when he was telling me this several years ago. And that's something that I'm grateful that our church family, by the grace of God, doesn't cast on me, that we have the privilege to partner together in living out and advancing the gospel. It was funny, even I'll even just say this, this only happened just five minutes ago. Uh, we were concerned that our live stream was not about to work. So I know you can't see what's going on in the room around me, but we have tech people trying to figure out, all right, make sure the live stream works. And then we have backup over here trying to figure out, all right, well, this will be the backup live stream. So grabbing different things so that we could, so that we could make sure that the live stream was going on. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm glad that others have this taken care of. I'm glad that others are helping with this. Because even though, you know, you may think, all right, well, that's like a a small part of the overall mission. The point is, it's just one additional example of the ways in which the Lord gives us the privilege to partner together in living out and advancing the gospel. Something else that Paul brings out in this portion of Scripture that I think I should highlight as we talk about ways or reasons that we can be grateful and thankful for our church family is that when your family, when you're, when you're truly a, a, a church family united together in Christ, we're willing to stand together in all circumstances. Look at what Paul says in verse 7 and verse 8. He says this, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, let me pause there for just a second and ask this question. It's kind of nice to be able to ask a question and actually see faces while I'm asking a question. Um, Have you ever embarrassed yourself? Like, legitimately embarrassed yourself? All right? I'm seeing a lot of affirmation to that. 
I think even the camera just moved up and down. Even the camera feels like it's embarrassed itself. I've embarrassed myself more times than I wish to admit or call back to memory. Uh, but I was thinking about this again recently. One of the, like a, a very public context when I had embarrassed myself. I remember when I was 12 years old, I was at a spot where, you know, my family was giving me a lot more freedom than I had had prior to that. And I remember I was 12 years old and I had asked my mother if she would take me and one of my friends to the mall. And she agreed to take me and one of my friends to the mall. And I thought, wow, this is going to be the first time I'm allowed to walk around the mall without adult supervision. So before I left my house, I went through all the money I had in my bedroom. And I did not have a lot. (laughs) But I found a whole bunch of change, and I filled both of my pockets filled with change. So as I'm walking through the mall, just imagine, like, the sound of, like, the, the shh, 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 you know, as I'm walking through the mall. But that was the money I had. I had a whole bunch of change. And uh, after being in the mall for a while, my my friend and I just thought we'd just act a little silly. And and we were trying to outdo one another in in our embarrassing activity. Again, we had no parental supervision. And so I, I said to him, I was like, hey, how about this? How about I make it look like I trip over a bench and we'll see what other people do, how they react. And he's like, oh, that'll be awesome. And so I, I walk up to a bench, and I made it look like I tripped. But one thing I didn't take into account as I tripped was all the change that was stuffing my pockets. And as I went forward and lunged forward, all that change dumped out of my pockets and spread all throughout that section of the mall. And I thought to myself, wait, I want that money back. That's the money that I came here. That's like the money I have. I don't even have any bills. So there I am now trying to collect all this change that's rolled all around. And I remember finally getting to the spot where I felt so embarrassed that I abandoned most of that change because I just wanted to get out of there. I couldn't believe that I had done that. But it makes for a great story. But I was highly embarrassed in that particular moment. Well, have you ever done something so embarrassing that you actually wondered if it might result in your friends and family abandoning you. Think about that for just a second. Something so embarrassing, something so humiliating. You know, maybe something that, that you were afraid would even just bring, bring shame to your family. Well, where was Paul when he wrote this letter? Paul was in prison. And in many cases... In a context like that, that could be something that might make others feel ashamed or embarrassed to associate with someone, but to the credit of the Philippian church, they continued to stand with Paul, even though he was imprisoned multiple times for sharing the gospel. They stood with him in all circumstances. So when Paul was imprisoned for daring to tell others about Christ, they stood with him. When he was openly defending and confirming the truth of the gospel, they stood with him. Now, we've all experienced fair-weather friends in our lives, you know, people in this world that, that like us as long as we have something to give to them or do for them. But the Philippian church, they were not fair-weather friends to the Apostle Paul. They stuck with Paul in all circumstances. And this contributed to this great affection that the Apostle Paul had for this church. He loved them with the love of Christ. He held them close to his heart. Their support was one of the things that the Lord used to help Paul weather the unpleasant consequences of preaching the gospel in the midst of hostile places. And just as Paul taught the Philippian church who Jesus was, 
and why they needed to surrender their their lives over to Christ, so too did the Philippian church remind Paul of an important aspect of the gospel that I hope that if you're hearing my voice today, that this will be something that you learn to preach to your heart. I hope that this will be something you preach to your heart. And this is, the, this, is, this is what Paul was being reminded of by the Philippians. They didn't abandon Paul because they understood that in Christ, we are not abandoned. So think about that and think about the difference it would make if we begin preaching that message to our heart. That in Christ, we are not abandoned. Look at how the Lord, how he shows us his heart to his children in Isaiah chapter 49. In Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16, it says this, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Or how about this? Consider the depth of love that the Lord shows us in Romans chapter 8. When you look at verse 35 and then verses 38 and 39, it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are going to be times in your life when you're tempted to preach a different message than this to your heart. There are going to be times when you're tempted to preach a very different message from this to your heart. You're going to go through a few things that, where, where maybe you might become convinced that you're on your own, Uh, where you feel abandoned, where you feel left to fend for yourself. But none of that is true. You're not on your own. You're not abandoned. You're not left to, to fend for yourself. I can't promise you that your friends or your family will never let you down. Because there are people in your life who absolutely will let you down. If you've been around long enough, you realize there are people in your life who will, who will let you down. You have fair-weather friends and maybe even some fair-weather family. So I can't promise you that your friends or your family aren't going to let you down from time to time, but I can promise what God promises. Our Lord will never abandon you. That's directly what he says. Our Lord will never abandon you. He illustrates it time and time again, and he testifies it through our own experiences. He will never bail on his children, and no circumstance will ever separate those who trust in Christ from the love of Christ what we just read in Romans chapter 8. And the Philippian church made it much easier for the Apostle Paul to preach this message to his own heart because that's what they were modeling to him. He was in prison, but he wasn't abandoned. They modeled that to him because of the fact that Christ does not abandon us. They knew that. Paul taught them that. But then they had the opportunity to model that right back to Paul. And I could say without a doubt that there are many people in our church family who throughout the years, year 12... By the way, it was May of 2008 when we started, uh, when I started preaching right here from this pulpit. May of 2008, so exactly 12 years ago. And I got to tell you, over the past uh, 12 years, there are many people in our church family who have helped me to preach that message to my heart. 
We are not abandoned. And they were not afraid to model this application of the gospel to their pastor. And that helped me to preach that to my heart. I'll show you one other thing that the Apostle Paul brings up in this portion of Scripture. Uh, It's in verses 9 to 11. And it's another reason that we can be grateful for our church family, and that's this. We're a family in which spirit-empowered love abounds. Look at what it tells us in verse 9 and verse, uh, down to verse 11. It says this, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So testify to this out loud if you would. Do you believe that Jesus makes a difference in our lives? He does, doesn't he? Christ makes a difference in our lives. What happens to us when we come to know Jesus Christ by faith? What kind of fruit comes from our lives as our relationship with him deepens? You know, what's the evidence of his presence with us when, we're in, when we interact as a church family? What's the evidence of, of what the Lord's doing? Paul explains in this passage that Christ makes a real difference in our lives and that through Jesus, we become a family in which spirit-empowered love abounds. It abounds in the context of our church family. And so Paul prays for the Philippians that their love may abound more and more And more, when you look at his words in this passage, that it would be displayed in greater depth, that opportunities would be seized for brothers and sisters in Christ to go out of their way to reach into the lives of those they were in fellowship with and to bless their Christian Christian family by seeking the best for them, even at great personal cost to themselves, that they would continue sacrificially serving one another. And Paul prays that through Christ that they would possess knowledge and discernment that would result in a mature understanding of what was right and what was good, that they would live out their faith. Isn't that a, it, that's when you know faith is real, right? When it gets tested and when you're forced to live it out. And that was Paul's prayer for them. They'd live out their faith, that holiness, that purity, that righteousness would be powerfully displayed in their lives as the fruit of Christ's presence with them that their lives would bring God glory. That's the kind of family that the Lord's created us to be. And this is something that he's continually fostering within us and teaching us personally and collectively to value. These are the ideals that he's inviting us to pursue. And I could personally testify that as the Lord fosters this kind of, this sense of family, this kind of family love right here within our fellowship, that there are many of you that I feel just as close to as I do my own blood relatives. It's the honest truth. And I guess that's a good thing because as I read from the Scriptures, we're going to be spending a lot of time together, you know, both now and in an eternity, so we might as well begin developing the affinity that we're to have for one another as believers in Christ. You ever think about the kind of difference that 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 kind of spirit-empowered love makes in a person's life? You know, just the difference it makes. I mean, think about the people in your life who have actively shown you through the years that you are genuinely and unconditionally loved. I heard um, a story several years ago. It was about a, a doctor. His name was Carl Menninger. And he was a doctor and he was a psychologist. And people would come and they would seek treatment from him. And I guess he would oversee 
uh, like an institution that people would come or like a hospital setting that people would come and just try and improve over some of the psychological um, issues that they had really been wrestling with, some of which were provoked by trauma, some of which were provoked by medical needs, some of which were provoked by all sorts of things. And he had an idea at one point, and he pulled his staff together, and he said, I want to do something that will change the culture of this operation here. He said, this is what I want us to do, and it won't sound complicated, but it might become complicated. He said, I want us to go out of our way as we communicate with people that are here for treatment, and as we communicate with one another, and as we operate here, I want us to do everything that we're doing with um, an atmosphere of, the way he phrased it was, creative love meaning he wanted them to just create an atmosphere of love, like unconditional love, active love. He phrased it as creative love, but he wanted that to be the culture of what they were doing there. And he wanted to see what kind of impact it would have on those that were seeking treatment. And so they did this. And it went on month after month where everybody came to work with the understanding, okay, everything we do, we're going to try and do in a spirit of love. If I communicate even data to you, I'm going to try and do it in a spirit of love. As I interact with my coworker that maybe their personality rubs me the wrong way, I'm still going to interact with them in a spirit of love. As I uh, deal with a patient that right now has great needs that might make them a little bit challenging to deal with, I'm going to deal with them in in a spirit of active and creative love. And what he noticed was this, that after six months... The time spent by patients, patients in that institution was cut in half. So in six months, the average length of time people spent there was cut in half because they were so ministered to by a context where love was being actively shown. I don't know if any of you here in this context, well, I know at least one of you in this context knows the name I'm about to share, uh, Pastor Jim Johnson. So I know you know who he is. Uh, I don't know if any of you know who he is. Pastor Jim, um, he pastored uh, for quite a few years, mostly up in Northeast PA, not too far from where I grew up. I know some of you that are joining us via live stream are from Dixon City, where Pastor Jim pastored for over 30 years. And uh, he had a long, fruitful ministry there. He's retired uh, to German, Pennsylvania now. So if someone is on this live stream, share that I'm saying hi to Pastor Jim. He actually lives right behind the church I grew up in. He bought property right behind the church there. And someone, Pastor Jim, if you're watching this live stream or if you're hearing this message right now, if someone shared with you, someone told me a story about you. And this is what I'm going to finish with today. Someone told me a story about Pastor Jim that that got in my mind and I want it to stay there and I want it to be in my heart too. But someone once said to him uh, prior to his retirement, they said, Jim, and they were talking to him about his relationship with his church. They said, Jim you just think these people are perfect, don't you? You just think these people are perfect, don't you? Because I think, I don't know if they were just trying to get him to criticize his church or complain or what they were trying to get him to do. They're like, you just think these people are perfect, don't you? And he replied, no, I don't think they're perfect. I just love them. I don't think they're perfect. I just love them. So let me say this today. I was feeling a bit emotional a few minutes ago, and I'm feeling it fresh right now. And I'll say this as I finish up today. If I could, I'll try and like dial it in again here. Here we go. All right, I'm back. (laughs) I don't think I say it enough, but I definitely want to say it today. 
to those of you that I could see your faces and those that I know that I'm having the privilege to join with via technology. I love you, and I'm grateful that God lets me spend my life together with you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that you give to us as we look at your word and as we join together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I'm just so grateful for the fact that you have inaugurated your family, the church. You've given us the privilege to be united to one another given us the privilege to be one family in you. And obviously right now in the midst of everything we're dealing with, things feel tested, things feel confusing, things feel all up in the air. I even just think about it from a practical standpoint. How do you lead a church in the midst of cultural change? It's something I wrestle with daily. But Lord, I know that one of the things that you remind me of time and time again when I look at your word is that We're to be grateful for one another. Out of our love for you, we're to love one another. You've united us to one another, and we have the privilege to serve you together. And so sometimes that gets flipped on its head. But we could be committed to one another in the midst of all circumstances, and that sort of thing gets tested in the midst of a time like this. But how wonderful it is to know that you don't abandon us and our church family doesn't abandon us. That we have the privilege to be connected because of our common faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm so edified when I look at what Paul said in his opening to the book of the church at Philippi, as he he opened this letter to the Philippians. And he's writing these things down from a prison. And there's guards that are insulting him, and conditions that he's living in that are unsanitary. And He's become familiar with chains. He's become familiar with imprisonment. He's become familiar with beating. And then he has a moment to sit back and reflect, and he thinks about the fact that it was all worth it because he had the privilege to preach your gospel. And he had the privilege to see people come to know your son, Jesus Christ. And he had the privilege to join together with them as family. Lord, thank you that even though we live thousands of years after these things were penned, that we have the same privilege, that through our common faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, you unite us to one another. So, Lord, we pray that you would just continue to remind us of that bond. We pray that you would continue to strengthen and develop that bond. And we pray, Lord, that we would be very active in investing in that bond and that you would just help us to remember to keep each other in prayer, to support one another, to lift each other up, to encourage one another, to help each other in any way that you impress upon our hearts to do so. So that if anyone right now is in the midst of a season where maybe they've been feeling alone or feeling abandoned, that they know that they could reach out to their brothers and sisters in Christ and that they'll be there. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for the privilege that it is to be able to just start off our week together worshiping you. We just commit ourselves to you afresh. In this new season, we pray that you'd teach us new things and we pray that you'd remind us of old things that we haven't thought about in a while. We commit ourselves to you again. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. When you get the chance, I'd like to invite you to stop by my website, which is desirejesus.com. And when you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list and take advantage of the free books and free resources that we have there to help you grow in your walk with Christ. 
And if you feel led to help support this podcast and our other online ministry efforts, please click the link in this episode's description to give a gift. And don't forget to leave the podcast a rating or review via your favorite podcast player. I hope you have a great week, and I'm looking forward to getting together again right here next Monday. Take care. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.